Alright guys, welcome back to another episode of the Precision Rifle Channel podcast. We are doing another international episode here with my good friend Josh Botha, all the way out from Canada. Josh, how are you, sir? Good, how are you, buddy? I'm doing very well. So, for all of our listeners that are not familiar with who you are, can you give us a quick background of you know, what you do, uh, how long you've been competing... You know, just a little uh, a little 411 on yourself there. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for most of you guys, um, you're going to know me through uh, MDT. My name is Josh, obviously. I, uh, I work up here in the building. Uh, I'm a design engineer for MDT, one of uh, the five of us now, actually. Um, I've been shooting competitively since 2015. Uh, a lot of local matches, a lot of uh, little things, uh, you know, here and there at first, and then just kind of working my way up in the last two years. Um, I've really been focusing on uh, national matches, matches in Washington State, things like that. Uh, so we're right across the line up here in Chilliwack, B.C., um, just a little town outside of Vancouver, B.C., and we have access to a lot of the matches in Washington State, Idaho, and Oregon, and things like that. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, uh, I shoot as much as I can competitively, um, try to travel around as much as I can, and I'm really jazzed on uh, this year being actually invited to the NRL finale by you guys, so... Uh, hopefully, I, I mean, I've, I've got to be doing something, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. It's actually, I saw you first starting in your national matches a couple of years ago when you first got started. And I remember seeing you back then and you were kind of um, not timid, but like, you know, for everybody, you're, you're nervous when you're first shooting a national level match because you don't know what to expect. But you from then to now are, are like night and day. I mean, you've come so far in a relatively very short amount of time. Um, what actually got you into precision rifle? Um, so funny enough, I was actually, uh, I was working at a gun store, uh, just a small, well, medium-sized store out here, um, out in a Canadian chain. It's not even uh, not even in the States. It's kind of similar to your, like, Sportsman's Warehouse or Dickies or something. Okay. And I wasn't even working with guns. I was working in an archery department. And uh, some guy comes by and, I shot rifles every now and then, and the guy comes by and says, hey, man, we're running a match at uh, this local military range in like a week. Are you ready? And I'm like, uh, sure, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, me and a buddy, we, we quickly scrambled together our uh, varmint rifles and threw everything together. And um, out we went and kind of with basically no prior practice or anything, just shot a match. And from there, I've just been absolutely hooked. And that was 2015. So, um, That's awesome. you know, now, I, now I'm in multiple builds and multiple optics and, you know, way down the rabbit hole. <laughs> That is very, very cool. So it's literally baptism by fire. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, I've been shooting since I was a kid, like most people, you know, with tele guns and air rifles and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I, I grew up actually in, in England, so I was kind of heavily restricted by a lot of the stuff we could do over there. But moving here, I just jumped right into it with my dad, and we went nuts. <laughs> nice. I didn't know you were from England originally. I am. Well, actually, I'm South African, hence the name, and right. British, and then now Canadian. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So that kind of ties into a little bit of everything, kind of gives me a little bit better understanding of your background. That's very yep. cool. So you started off at the gun store. You got invited by a friend to go to your first match. How was that experience for you? Um, so at first, I mean, we were we had no idea what we were going into, right? We had no bills that were remotely close for what we were trying to do. It was a 600-meter match, um, so a little over 600-yard match. Um and really, I think we were just more um, ignorance is blitz, blitz kind of thing, right? right. And we had no idea what to expect. Um, so 
that's almost the way I enjoyed going to the match. But after it, I was like, wow, okay, there's so much I need to learn. I've got to learn how to, you know, reload all this stuff better and build a better gun and have a better optic. And, uh, you know, it's, it was just really started that journey, um, which I think for a lot of people, when they say, hey, you know, I want to come out to a match, what should I do? Uh, what should I be thinking about? What should I be prepping? And I'm just like, dude, go shoot it. See, you know, you'll learn so much by going to a match rather than just sitting on the sidelines and trying to observe it, I feel like. Right. No, and that, and that's a very good point. Do you remember what your first rifle and optic were at that match? <laughs> yeah, so that match. So for starters, I'm a lefty, um, and okay, I so was you're running. Backwards. Uh, I'm, I'm backwards. I'm, I'm correct-handed, <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I was running a right-handed, blind-fed uh, Savage Model Twelve uh, in two hundred four Ruger. Oh, um, with yeah, okay. yeah, it wasn't wasn't great. Um, I was running like 30, 39 or. 40 grain bullets at like 3,800 feet per second or something insane. There's a varmint gun, right? Mm-hmm. I was running a, a, a fixed 10 bushnel. Um, yeah, with a, with a mil dot reticle and MOA turret. So, yeah, just a horrible <laughs> combination all around. <laughs> so, absolutely not the right setup for you or for precision rifle matches. Not even close. Not even close. So, what did you, you know, you went, you had this first lesson experience at your match, figured out right away that you were going to do something different. What did you end up doing after that as far as gear? So um, after that, I spent a lot of time uh, talking to people I'd met at that match and researching and uh, trying to figure out kind of where to go next. Um, uh, of course, I went to the internet and got a ton of really bad, uh, you know, what not to do is. Right. Um, tons of people who knew way more than me trying to tell me things. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to start off. And I decided to jump straight into a build. Um, and I bought a Tika Action, I bought a Bartland Barrel, um, and I scoured the internet all around to see if I could find a, a Canadian distributor for any uh, chassis or any uh, uh, stock, and I couldn't. Right. Um, and that's actually how I stumbled upon MDT in the first place. Is they were the only ones available in Canada that made a left-handed Tika inlet. And I was like, oh, awesome, and they're right in my backyard. Um, and yeah, it, from there, it's just kind of been history. I still have, actually, I still competed this year with that Tika Action uh, that I first built. Nice, nice. So you found MDT because you were doing a, a Google search or a search online, whatever, and yep. you ran into them. How did you come to work for them then? It's it's all kind of crazy interconnected, actually. I was at school. I was finishing up my, uh, my diploma. I'm a mechanical engineering uh, technician or technologist, I should say. Um, and some of the people who had graduated through the same program I had were working at MDT, and I had a prof say, hey, have you ever heard of these guys? Um, have you ever heard that, you know, of this company? And I was like, well, yeah, I, I shoot some of their stuff. And she was like, well, why don't you apply? And I was like, well, they don't even have like a, you know, there's no application online. There's no, uh, you know, join us kind of thing. Right. So I just emailed the support line. I said, hey, you guys looking to, to hire someone? And uh, now, you know, our sales manager, uh, he got back to me. And he's like, I don't know. Let me hand you off to, to these guys. And the rest is kind of history. I joined, literally, I finished school on Friday. I started here on the Monday. Wow. So fresh out of university. And... Right. You already landed a, a kick-ass job. Oh, man, I, I could not be luckier. I couldn't be more fortunate to, to be where I am, to be honest. That's very cool. So it, it's funny, in, and we'll get back to MDT, but part of what you had mentioned um, in your story, which I think can be, you know, a lot of people um, can associate with it, is you went online and started watching a lot of different videos about precision rifle and things of that nature. And I was, I've been watching more and more YouTube videos and um, with the 
explosion of precision rifle over the past couple of years, there's guys that are popping up all over the internet that are quote unquote precision <laughs> rifle experts or yep. whatever. And, you know, they may be or whatever, but I've never seen them. I've never heard of them. I don't know everybody. But when you go online, I just want to put a quick disclaimer out there is if you're going to learn how to build a rifle online or what parts to get or who to look uh, towards as far as what gear and all that, uh, make sure that you're following somebody that competes in national level matches um, like a, a, a Jake Vibber or Philip Vallejo or, or one of those guys or Scott Satterley because these are the guys that actually truly compete in this sport and you know they may not have 10 million followers but these are the guys that help and actually know what they're talking about in this sport so i just wanted to put a quick disclaimer out there because i saw i i'm not going to mention whose channel it was i, I saw their channel <laughs> and they were shooting a target at 100 yards and they were proud that they were shooting two inch groups at 100 yards and i'm like they're like, yeah, this is a really accurate rifle, and it's a factory build from so and so and so and so. And I'm like, that's not that's that's not what this sport is. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's a lot of people out there. You know, there's a I wouldn't say it's a lot of companies, but it's a lot of people who get that brand loyalty, right? And right. They go out there, and you know, what they bought it has to be the best thing because they paid the money for it, and you can't tell them anything else, right? And you know, we still see that a lot. We still get a lot of questions. Hey, do you make this? And do you make this? For this crazy action or something you've never even heard of and you know i spent two grand on this thing so you must make something to support it to make it you know a better right. um and yeah there's a lot of people who get that crazy uh weird loyalty and will just push those products on you and, I, and you see it every single day on facebook and sniper side and all these forums right right um so that's one thing to be really wary of i think no absolutely and you know from a, a manufacturer's standpoint i mean there has to be a lot that goes into the development of a product. I mean, MDT, you guys are primarily known for your chassis systems, although you have other accessories as well. And this year you really made a huge mark with the ACC. Um, Prior to that, you had the LSS and some other variations, but the ACC really is what made the mark in the precision rifle community. Um, were you a part of the design of that project? Um, yeah, actually. So, so last, uh, not, not this year, but 2018 in May, um, we, we sat down and we had a meeting with our sales manager, Kyle and, uh, my boss, Brad, we started going through a couple things and, uh, he brought this up and he's like, Hey, so, you know, we've been talking about doing competition chats for a little while and we want to put some development into this side of the market. And we realize right now that, you know, we have some great products that you could use, but nothing that's a hundred percent dedicated to that market. Right. Um, and we, and we saw precision rifle exploding like a lot of people have. And, uh, at that point we said, okay, well we have some ideas and we have some, some thoughts on what we want to do. Um, and that's really where all this started. And literally from May through, I think November last year, we launched that chassis. Um, that was just my, my bread and butter. I spent, you know, 80% of my day just working on that chassis, tinkering with things, asking uh, shooters and sponsored shooters and um, people that we had access to in the industry and, you know, everyone I could I could think of uh, to reach out to, you know, what would you like to see? What do you want to see? And I, that's when I started going to the matches. And, you know, I talked to uh, to guys like John and Jake and Scott Satterley and 
Nick Kadarzy and a lot of these top names and looking at what they're doing, what they're using and, and saying, okay, well, you know, obviously there's a lot of commonality here, but right. how can we make it better? Um, and that's really how the ACC came about. And, uh, you know, we still have the, the first prototypes up there on the wall. And they do not look like that. <laughs> they, they changed quite a lot through that development cycle. Um, I bet. But yeah, you know, it, and that's what we try to try to do here um, on a bit of a shameless MVP plug. Um, you know, we, we try to make products for shooters that will help them shoot better, right? And we'll go Absolutely. through the funniest length to make, you know, the best product we can. Well, and that's see, what the ACC end up being. And the ACC is phenomenal. I mean, I, I have them here at the office. I have a couple of them. I actually just bought an ACC for my 457, my CZ for 22. Nice. Um, you know, when, so I'm not a designer, but I'm a creative, right? So from a marketing standpoint, I understand how to market something. But from an engineering standpoint, when you're looking at a lot of other um great chassis manufacturers out there from a mental standpoint, a creative standpoint as an engineer, how do you, how do you differentiate yourself? Does that make sense? Um, yeah, like, I, I think I get where you're coming from. Um, and to be honest, it, 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 it is actually quite tricky, um, especially when you can go on the internet and the Google machine and just hit, Oh, Hey, look, you know, look at all these different brands, look at all this cool stuff they're doing. Right. It's really right. hard to, to kind of separate your, your brain from that. Um, and to be honest, um, one thing that one of our designers here, uh, Scott, does quite a lot is he sketches. Um, and we spend, oh man, way too much time probably sketching things. Um, <laughs> and just like literally pen and paper, you sit there and you've got these big, uh, you know, uh, translucent sheets and you sketch something and you overlay and you sketch another thing. And, right. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie, when we first started sketching the ACC, there were definitely elements of other chassis that looked similar in there. And then we're like, no, 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 that's way too close. Um, and we, you know, we rethought it and re resketched it. Um, and it is really hard to differentiate, you know, what you're looking at and say, oh man, you know, that's a super cool design. I got to step back and, and do something different. Um, but it's, it's once you start down a path and you find something that's working uh, and you start pulling in different ideas, like it's actually becomes a pretty obvious design path forward, if that makes sense. That makes sense. So you kind of find the right direction and let it fluidly take you that way. Exactly. And to be honest, I mean, there's times where, you know, we'll be designing something and, and we're down the rabbit hole and we're just like, you know what, we could do this thing better. And then we just take a step back and, you know, we have to go kind of, you know, 10 steps back from where we were and then rework our way through it. Nice. Nice. So when you designed something like the ACC, your first, it, the first variation that I'm aware of was for the 700 platform. Yeah. And then... You have other guys, Tika fans and other uh, variations that want you to make, you know, chassis for their platforms. How hard is it to modify something that already exists for another another brand, essentially? Um, it, it's typically not so hard, um, partially because we have, I mean, we've been doing chassis now since our 10th year of development. Um, right. So we, we have inlets for 700s, Pikas and Savages and Howas, Ruger Americans and, and on and on and on. So we've done, um, you know, a certain inlet at some point for all of them, um, which then makes it much easier when we're going to a, to a new chassis because we can pretty much drag and drop that inlet into there and say, okay, well, you know, how's that going to fit? Is this going to work? What can we tweak to make it work? Uh, and all the lessons we've learned through all the other chassis, we can say, okay, well, you know, obviously like for a Ruger American, you have to have a, a big scallop out the rear to make sure you can still access the safety. Right. Um, 
And for certain inlets like the Savage, it's a really popular inlet. Um, you have to make the chassis wider to have their top safety. So we so we we've hmm. developed all these things over time. Um, and so so typically we start with the 700 short action because it's usually the most common inlet for whatever platform we're working on. Right. Um, but you know there are different challenges. Like with the ACC, actually, we had to redesign that inlet because of all the trigger hangers and different shoes. Uh, side bolt releases, a whole bunch of little things that we kind of knew of, but then explored further when everyone started dropping these you know, few thousand dollar actions into our cast. <laughs> right. Very cool. So without giving anything away, and we haven't talked about this at all, so I don't know if anything exists or if it doesn't, but is there anything new that we're going to see at SHOT Show or beforehand or in the 2020 season? Or are you going to just continue to build on what's already a very solid, very popular platform? Um, so for the ACC, we're really happy with where the chassis is right now. Um, there's definitely more development happening with it. Um, a lot of the, the things that we've kind of put in motion by putting the chassis out there are now kind of getting worked on. Um, and a lot of the supporting accessories. So like a really good example of that is our uh, one piece mount. Uh, we came out with this year, we, we released that as a supporting accessory for those competitions, those high-level uh, ELR uh, shooters, right? So guys who are doing, uh, who need that utmost precision. Uh, so we're working on a bunch of supporting accessories for the ACC platform. Nice. Um, so that's one of the really big things on the ACC line. Um, and we're just kind of branching out more there. I wouldn't say that we're necessarily, you know, changing too much on the chassis um, or doing too much there. But for Shop Show, um, definitely, we've got some really, really cool stuff in the, in the works. Um, I can't talk about it <laughs> too much just yet. Yep, Absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've got a really, really cool uh, couple releases coming out, um, some updates to some things that guys have been asking for. And then, yeah, one one uh, project that's been really a long time in the works that I, I can't wait for it to go live, to be honest. Very cool. So de definitely uh, going to have to have an interview during Shot Show to help release some of that information to all those that can't attend. Absolutely, yeah. And we've got a uh, we've got a pretty cool booth coming this year. We actually grew it a little bit. It's like doubled in size. Um, we're gonna have some booth really... last year was pretty big. Yep, yeah. We've gone to a, a twenty by forty, I believe, for next year. Nice. Um, and yeah, we're doing some. I'm, I'm not involved, but the guys in marketing are doing this big uh, design of the actual booth, and it's going to really showcase some of our our existing products that we're really proud of, and some of the new products that we're bringing in uh, that we're also really really proud of. Very cool. I'm excited. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. I mean, the interview we did with you guys last year was a lot of fun. So can't wait to have you back again. Absolutely. You know, we're going to be there. So enough about MDT. Let's get back to you. You sure. are what we're two and a half weeks, roughly away from the 2019 NRL championship. You got your invitation. You are super excited. You're still at work. You still have your family life going on. What are you doing or are you finding any time to practice and prep for this match? And if so, are you doing anything different? Yeah. Um, so just to preface all this, just about all of my free time right now is shooting <laughs> um, or doing something shooting related, which it usually is anyway. Um, and to be honest, um, at the end of the season, my, my season quote unquote ended, um, pretty much after the Rock Lake NRL. Um, we shot a little bit after that, um, but I was uh, pretty much done for the year. Uh, and I, you know, my gun, my barrel was getting burnt out and uh, I was pretty much done with all my gear. So I was like, ah, okay, you know, I, I don't have to worry about anything. I don't think I shot well enough to qualify for the finale. So I kind of went on the, the back burner a little, 
know, started uh, buying some more components and stocking up for next year and planning out next season. And then I got that invitation. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> I've got a burnt out barrel. I haven't got brass prepped. I haven't got anything loaded. Like, oh, okay, I got to get this sorted. So um, I really quickly got hold of my uh, my barrel sponsor, International Barrels. Um, and Ryan over there was an absolute rock star. He went from scratch and chambered up a barrel in less than a week uh, with the team over there. And I'd be breaking that in and, and just shooting as many rounds as I possibly can. Um, nice. I've been, I've been practicing like crazy with one of my mentors uh, up here who isn't able to, to come down, unfortunately. But um, he's been just walking me through drills, drills after drills, at least once a week, uh, doing brand new low development on this barrel. So I'm working hard to, uh, to get ready for it. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you're doing all of the quote-unquote physical. You're practicing, mm-hmm. you know, physically. You're dry firing. You're doing low development. You're breaking in your barrel. What about mentally? I mean, this is the the championship. This is the biggest match of this season for the NRL. Um, you know, is is there a mental game that you've put together or a plan, or you're not even thinking about that yet? You're just worried about breaking in that barrel. Um, well, no, absolutely. Uh, this will be the biggest match I've ever shot, and the, the biggest match of my shooting career. You know, I'm, I'm I feel super fortunate to be able to, to come down and shoot it. Um, and when I saw the invitation, I was like, yeah, I'm right on it. I've got to go. <laughs> um, so, so as far as the mental game goes, um, I'm definitely a little bit, uh, I guess, nervous is the right word, but not necessarily the best explanation of how I'm feeling. Like, I'm feeling really excited about it, but I'm also, you know, there's a lot of stress that comes with it. So right. I'm trying to manage that the best I can. Um, and, you know, doing all these things, getting ready for it helps kind of manage that stress. But um, the mental game is something that gets really, uh, we talk about it quite a bit up here because um, there's quite a few shooters in the building and we shoot with a couple guys locally. Um, so uh, mental management. Um, and actually, uh, there's a book written by a Canadian. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, uh, but there's a, a book called The Secret or Mental Marksmanship, Secrets of Mental Marksmanship, I believe, by Linda and Keith Cunningham. Um, okay. It's a book I've been, been reading over and over and over. And it just talks about basically uh, when you're shooting in a competitive environment, what you should be thinking, how you should be prepping, um, positive thinking, all this kind of stuff. Um, and it's a really, really good book um, for any listeners who are looking at, at you know, a, a step into mental management at matches, and mental management at uh, at any shooting, really. Um, awesome. There's a lot of there's a lot of little bits in there uh, that I've just been trying to pick up on, and you know, even from things like stage prep to what to think when you're pulling the trigger to you know all of this things. It breaks it all down on on how you should be prepping. So I've been trying to follow that. <laughs> nice, nice. We'll have to look into that book and. I'll have to get a copy because I don't currently own one, so I'd love to read that. Yeah, it's on. Uh, I think it's on Amazon. Perfect. Um, if not, I'll, I'll bring you down a copy, buddy. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'll, I'll search for it on Amazon for sure. Now, okay, so being in Canada and you coming stateside, um, you know, I know there's certain legalities and certain rules. Canada typically, uh, for the most part, has stricter uh, gun laws than the United States, uh, except maybe California. <laughs> um, yep. how, how hard is it for you to come here for the championship or to come here for a match in general, as far as paperwork and legalities and all that kind of stuff? Um, I'd say it's actually a, a common misconception, uh, from the Canadian shooting community that it's a hard thing to do. Um, because it really is, it's, okay. it's much like, I mean, you had the podcast, uh, I think last week with Marcus, Right. And he broke it down, basically, what you need to do to get to Sweden and, and Norway and the Scandinavian countries. It's very similar for us. Uh, basically, you know, when we want to go to a match, we say, hey, you know, I'm shooting the NRL finale in Texas. Um, this is what I'm going to do. And you 
talk to the uh, the ATF. You fill out a form and say, hey, I've got this rifle with this much ammo, um, and I'm going here on these dates. And they say, cool, okay, um, you know, send us your send us your info. You fill out this form with with all your rifles and all your ammo, and it's a, a form that lasts for a year. And then every time you go across the border, you just need to have a reason for going to the state. So every match, you just get an invitation from the match director right. um, or a receipt for paying for the match, and off you go. It's actually really straightforward. Um, okay. In saying that, um, I'm actually currently waiting for my Form 6 paperwork to come back because I let it lapse <laughs> after the end of the season. So oh, no. fingers crossed that comes through and I can actually bring my gun down and you know not scramble last minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, if there's a worst-case scenario... I we'll figure out a platform that you're comfortable with for you to borrow out here. <laughs> awesome, man. No, I, I appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Of course. So what about the opposite? What about us going to Canada? Is it the same, is it the same process or is it different going into Canada? Yeah. So I was talking about, uh, talking about this, uh, this year actually with John Pinch, because he came up for our one of two national matches that they're, that they run up here. Right. And I said, Hey man, like, you know, what did you have to do to actually come up? Um, and it's actually, it's basically the inverse, except you guys have to deal with our uh, RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, basically say, hey, I'm an American, I'm bringing a gun in with no suppressor, I'm not bringing in a pistol, that's too short for your laws, I'm not bringing in any full autos or anything crazy, right. uh, this is where I'm going. And basically they give you the same piece of paper, but it's just one per gun. So you say, I'm okay. bringing this gun with this many ammo, or this much ammo, and you're good to go. Gotcha, okay. So it's not hard, it's nothing that you need to be scared of, you just have to be prepared. No, absolutely. It's just something you should do ahead of time. Um, realistically, I should have done this you know, two months ago. I was just lazy <laughs> in the middle of a pistol build. So I was like, oh, I'll add it when that's all done. But uh, yeah, it's it's really straightforward. And uh, I, I think a lot of people get the, the uh, almost the stigma of being worried about going across the border with rifles. And I, I get asked all the time, hey, have you ever get stopped and pulled over? And you're like, no, as long as you have the paperwork and you're not being super sketchy, they don't care. Right. Okay, that's good to know. Now, you had mentioned that Canada has two national matches. I thought the market in Canada was much bigger than that. Oh, it's it's growing exponentially. Um, we only have the two national matches, um, both kind of more east of where we are here. Right. Um, and there's a couple small pockets of shooters that are popping up and some really good shooters. Um, most of us are right down by the border. Um where we can shoot a lot in the northern states or travel into the states quite easily. So there's definitely quite a big market. Uh, there's definitely quite a few gun companies up here, but we don't have the organization, I suppose. Yet. We don't really have the venues because the venues are really the killer up here because of our laws, and, uh, the restrictions we have to, to jump through to get uh, mashed happening. Gotcha. Okay. So basically, the, I mean, kind of like the states, but we obviously have um, more venues, but you know, the uh, shooters out here are always wanting more and more. So in Canada, the biggest thing holding you back is the, the logistics, the, the actual space to hold these type of matches. Yeah, well, we have a ton of, uh, of space um, and we have a ton of, of uh, land that is what they call crown land. So it's kind of similar to like the BLM land that you guys okay. have down there. Um, and especially out here on the West Coast, we have tons of space where we can drive up into the mountains to go shoot and practice. Um, but to run a match on that land, or even land that borders that land requires a lot of uh, extra steps ahead of time, and it's kind of something that we're trying to work up, uh, work through up here, so we can run more matches on private property. But it definitely takes uh, quite a bit of work and quite a bit of uh, paper filling out and talking to the right people, kind of thing. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that makes sense, and hopefully, you know, that'll become easier 
or you know the paperwork will get processed faster whatever it needs to be done so that we can have more matches up that way absolutely so now with 2020 coming around obviously you're focused on the championship but the 2020 nrl schedules released um i know you always go to jake's match uh what other matches are you guys planning for this year or this season no, absolutely. Um, so this year, actually yesterday, I sent out uh, an email to one of the guys I'm traveling down with, uh, Dave Gariani. He's uh, also qualified. He qualified somewhere in the 70-ish uh, place range yeah. for the finale. Great um, So, yeah, absolutely. Dave and I shoot together quite a bit. We travel quite a bit because we're all pretty local. Um, so he and I are kind of planning out what we're trying to do next year. We try to shoot a lot of the same matches just for logistics of traveling together. Um, and it looks like we'll probably shoot Jake's match. Um, we'll probably shoot the Idaho, the PRSID, uh, Golden, or the Gem State shoot-off. Yep. yep, we'll shoot that one again, uh, which was a great match this year. I did horribly at it, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had a ton of fun shooting it. Um, and then we're looking at a couple other ones. Uh, I'm pretty good friends with Chaz Bales over at uh, Wars Development, and I'd yep. love to go shoot his match over there. Um, what's the, uh, the Devil's Brigade, I think, Devil's is what he's Brigade. calling it this year. Yes, yep. that'll be so, our first time having a match in Montana, so that'll be a lot of fun. I would love to shoot that one for sure. Um, the downside about that is I think it's the weekend before the Rock Lake NRL Skill Challenge. Um, or like, yeah, it's, there's like a really tight gap in there. So to get from that side of Montana all the way back over to Doug's place uh, in Rock Lake would be a little bit tricky. Um, so we're Just kind hop of... in the truck with us. <laughs> yeah, that... but then I have a whole week off work. <laughs> <laughs> the, the uh, Engineers, you work on your laptop. <laughs> yeah, but there's no there's no cell signal out there in Spokane. There's nothing going on out there, or Montana for that for that reason. That's true. But um, research and development at Scott Satterley's house. There you go. See, now we're talking. Now, <laughs> now I can swing. Um, so yeah, definitely. I mean, I'll shoot Rock Lake again. That was my best finish of the year, and I I really had a good good uh, good time at, at Doug's match as well. So I'll be that one for sure. And then we're even looking at maybe the the California match, um, or some of the other matches that are kind of maybe Northern Utah or something trying to get to. Nice. Very, very cool. Yeah. Now that sounds, I mean, that sounds awesome. It's, uh, you know, the, the fact that we're having you guys come across the border, the support for, from MDT and the shooting community this season has been phenomenal. Um, I know you, I don't know if this is public or not. Um, you guys put out a request for people to apply for sponsorships. And I heard that that went quite well. Have you guys announced uh, publicly who your new team is, or is that still kind of on the down low? Um, so no, we haven't uh, we haven't made any decisions there just yet. Um, okay. We did put that uh, we put that post out uh, publicly, and we tried to get uh, you know a lot of interest in the in the shooting community because we've had questions all year long. You know, guys have been reaching out and saying, "Hey, how do I become part of the team? What should I do? What should I be uh, thinking about? How do I apply?" Kind of thing. So we said, "Okay, we're going to put out something at the end of the year. We're going to let you guys all apply." And um, to be frankly honest, we we got love it <laughs> with applications <laughs> absolutely uh, way more than we could even, we could even uh, well we were overwhelmed by the amount of uh, support we got so we're really really thankful to the community for that uh, the downside is that my my buddy mr matt hornback who's currently stationed in missouri is going through all of these when he has time uh, along with our marketing team uh, up here so we're still working on it uh, we hope to get back to you guys all as quick as we can um and we should be announcing uh, the pro team probably right around shop show just a little bit before uh, shop show nice very cool all right that's awesome so what else talk to me what, what else do we need to know about mdt about canadian shooting 
uh, about your your future plans for 2020. I think we've uh, we've covered a lot of it, but what else am I missing? I feel like I'm missing something here. Um, so, okay, on the MVP front, uh, as I said, we're, we're working on a lot of accessories. We're working on a lot of um, uh, magazines, additional uh, parts to go onto a lot of our systems, as well as some new systems that I kind of alluded to earlier. Right. Um, 2020 is going to be a really cool year for us. Um, we're really excited about some of the stuff that's happening, some of the stuff that's in the pipeline already. Um, so definitely keep an eye out for that. Uh, yeah, I wish I could. <laughs> I really you know wish what? I could show that, some stuff. I wish I could see it, but that that <laughs> tells me what I was forgetting. And my listeners, you know, our listeners would kick my butt if I didn't ask. So I kind of have to ask, and, and you can tell me. Whatever you want to tell me. You can tell me it's private. We can't say anything or whatever. Um, but people were very excited to hear about the asset acquisition from Jay Allen. Is there anything that you can talk about uh, with that project right now? Or is that still, you know, kind of on, on uh, the backside kind of quiet right now? No, absolutely. Um, that went all public and, and we announced to everybody. Um, we had an internal meeting before that happened and there was a lot of excitement uh, internally. We, we uh, Some of us definitely didn't see it coming, but we're all really, really excited about, um, you know, acquiring those assets and moving forward with that. So what we're currently doing, um, and I know we ask uh, shooters and we, we ask uh, the industry to be a little bit patient with us um, because what we're currently doing is we're um, basically figuring out how to remanufacture those chassis. Right. And the Jay Allens, uh, I mean, I know that you've had some some time with them. And I know a lot of shooters out there have spent some time with them and played with them. They're very complicated. Very. Uh, and, yeah, and they're very well put together and very well thought out. Um, so we have now the machines that made them. Uh, we have a lot of the design files. We have a lot of the, um, uh, the assets, right, behind them. But we don't have the experience of making them. So what we're doing is we have all of the uh, the leftover uh, pieces and machines up in our Everson warehouse in Washington State, and we're now going through figuring out piece by piece, you know, how we're going to make everything, how we're going to assemble everything, and what we're going to do moving forward. So the plan is, um, I don't think we have an exact date on it yet, but somewhere in the middle of, of 2020, hopefully, um, we should be able to be selling um, the 700 JAEs. Um, and providing everything goes to plan and everything goes well, um, we should have those up and running uh, mid next year. Nice. So basically, you got a big box of puzzle pieces, and you just <laughs> got to figure out what goes where and how to make it work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I mean, some of them, you know, like we have uh, bits of puzzle pieces, but some of them don't even, you know, make any sense to us right now. And we're like, okay, you know, is this even part of this puzzle? <laughs> right. Um, so there's a lot of us, a lot for us to figure out. Uh, and I've had a lot of people reach out and say, Hey man, can I put a pre-order down? Can I, you know, where can I find these? Where can I buy them? I'm like, okay, well, we're still figuring things out. Um, and I, I hope we get them up and running pretty quick. Um, but we have pretty much one designer right now who's going through each of the parts and you know, updating the files and, and updating assemblies and, and getting it to our standard essentially. Um, so that we know exactly how everything works inside and out. Very cool. So mid, hopefully mid 2020, we should be able to see a MDT model of the JAE 700. That that is the plan. Yeah, as, as far as I know, Kyle might uh, Kyle might shoot me uh, for giving away any dates or anything, but I believe that's kind of the timeline we're shooting for. Um, and we should have something. Yeah, I mean, we're going to make tons of posts, and they'll be on the website. Um, you know, it won't be a secret when we 
we launched this kind of thing. Right. No, that's that's very exciting. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but I've said it in the past. The Jay Allen was actually my first aftermarket stock I ever purchased, and I think I own like five of them. I love them. I I, I think yep. they're just it's a beautiful it's a beautiful piece. Um, so it's exciting that that MDT and you guys picked up um, picked up that design, picked up that product, are going to continue to make that legacy uh, live on. And I know with your technology, your brain, the the skill sets and assets that MDT has, um, I have no doubt you guys are going to be able to, to keep uh, keep the quality there. And I wouldn't be surprised if you guys come out and, and do something to make it even better. So, Thanks, man. Yeah, no, we're, um, we're definitely really excited and really interested in you know, pulling things apart right now and, and having a look at them as much as we can. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that it's kind of the interesting thing about, uh, when we posted about this acquisition, a lot of people came out and said, Hey, could you you know change this or tweak this or, you know, make this little adjustment to them. And it's funny how much experience people have out there with them and, you know, how these guys have modified them through the years and, you know, right. thought about all these changes and now it's all kind of coming out. Uh, and, you know, we're getting tons of messages and phone calls and emails and things. Um, so it's, it's really, uh, it's, it's a cool, different, complete path to go down, right? It is. It is. It's very unique, and it's uh, it's going to be very exciting to see how that project unfolds for sure, for sure. Great. So, one of the things I always ask uh, a competitor when I have them on the show is, if you can list three things like superstitions, not gear. I don't want to hear about a scope or about a ballistic app or any of that. Those are all things that every competitor should have. But three things that are unique to you that you have to have or do, uh, ritual, superstition, whatever it is before a match, what are they for you? So I listened to a bunch of your podcasts, and I, I thought about this question earlier, Uh-oh. and uh, I was <laughs> racking my brain. I was no, it was I was racking my brain because I'm not a superstition person. I, I I live in a world of numbers and lines and things, right? And right. I try to be pretty logical about things, but um, two things come come to mind. The first one is every time we go to a match, and it's typically in Washington State or maybe Idaho, uh, I'm almost always driving down with Dave or Raul or one of these guys, and we always stop for groceries, and we always get a bunch of stuff for whatever hotel we're staying or whatever. And of course, load up on the beer. Um, But for some reason, on match mornings, I always typically have these funny little smoothie drink, whatever they are, like breakfast drinks. And every time I haven't had one, I've just like bombed the first couple stages. So they've become an almost superstition thing now where I've got to have them. Um, if I don't have them, it's not the end of the world. I'm going to try and find some in Texas, but we'll see. Uh, the other one I completely 100% blame Nico uh, Detour for um, okay. because he got me he got me hooked on Sour Patch Kids. And I've been, it's, it's uh, become a Canadian tradition now that every time we shoot a match, I have to have this massive big bag of jumbo Sour Patch Kids <laughs> <laughs> because they you know what? You go through and you bomb a stage, and you know you bombed it, and it was 100% your fault. It wasn't the wind. It was you. If you come off that stage, you're feeling like crap, right? Everyone's right. being there, and you just feel bad. If you have a Sour Patch kit or, like, a handful of them, if you really bomb the stage, there's no way, there's no physical way you can be upset after having a handful of Sour Patch kits. It just immediately puts a smile on your face. So that is, like, it has to be in my bag now at this point. That, that's true. It's almost like competitor crack. It is. It really is. And then because people know that you have them, so they come out and they're like, okay, who has a Sour Patch Kid? Can I have a couple? Do you have more? 
Yeah. Hey, you yeah, just crowns around in your backpack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so those two things, I mean, the, the smoothie juice, I can kind of get away with the Sour Patch Kids. No, that's, that's Nico's fault, but I can't get away with it without those things. Nice. Nice. Well, it's been a true pleasure having you on the show. I know it's been a while. We kind of talk about doing this for a while now, but I'm glad that we're able to get this, uh, get this done before the end of the year and, and kind of getting an insight on who you are and, and what you're doing to prepare for the championship and some of the future projects for MDT and some history. It's, uh, it's been awesome. I, I learned some stuff that I, I didn't know, which is always a good thing. And now it's just, you know, two, two and a half weeks, whatever it is. And we're going to be either having sips of sips of whiskey so that you can shoot, uh, shoot straight sober or we're going to be drinking heavy because the match doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> no, man, I, I really, uh, I really appreciate you uh, having me on today, and I really appreciate uh, you put on the podcast, put in the finale, and I, I cannot wait to be down there. I'm counting down the, the hours at this point, and you know, getting everything in a row. Um, but no, it's going to be a lot of fun, and I think that uh, that match is going to be killer. Yeah, it's going to be a great time, uh, Dave and Prentice down there. We talk almost every day, and it's. Uh, something new and awesome is happening and being added to the match every day. So it's going to be a great time. We're going to have the MDT side match going on down there. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, we might change that up a little bit because it is the the championship so that it's a little bit different course of fire. So we're kind of talking about that just to, to give everybody a chance to shoot something a little bit different with the, the ACC. Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun and we can't wait to see you guys. Yeah, that side match has been awesome this year, and we've been really, really excited to see all these people get hands on that chassis. And, you know, all the response we've got from it. Guys like, oh, hey, man, like I got the discount. Like, how can I get this thing? When can I get this thing? So, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we're really, uh, we're really appreciative of you guys running that. And I'm excited to see what you guys come up with for the uh, the finale, how we're going to run it differently. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a lot of fun for sure. So I'm gonna let you go. We're almost at the time uh, where we got to cut it off. I really appreciate it. It's a Friday afternoon. The sun just broke here in California. I've got a ton of work to still do to get this championship going. So I thank you for taking the time out today, um, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Absolutely. Thanks, Travis. And just one final thing. Uh, next week we have our Black Friday deal starting for MDT. Awesome. Um, I know that a lot of people have been super pumped on it, super jazzed. So yes. please stop asking me when it starts. Uh, it starts next Thursday. Uh, we're going we're gonna to launch it live on the website, and everyone go just nuts and buy all the MVP stuff. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Awesome. You guys, thank you for listening in. We truly appreciate your time. Until next time, be safe, keep shooting, and we'll see you all at the range.